Podcast, Ladies and gentlemen, Robcast. welcome to a Robcast. Oprah Winfrey is here. This is her first Robcast. Thank you. My first Rob <laughs> pod anything. This is cool. So um, I want everybody to see this belief because I saw Oprah has this new series coming out mm -hmm. a week from Sunday. I don't know when we'll put this out, but trust me, folks, we'll put this out before it airs. It's one of the most moving things I've seen. I saw the first two episodes of oh. the seven parts oh, really? of this series called Belief. So I want, I want everybody to see it. It's my little gift to the world. Well, what really struck me when I first saw the first two episodes is it took me back to one of the first times you and I talked and you said that you started out as a preacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, when they say, hey, Oprah, here come that preacher girl. Here she come talking about the Bible and Jesus of Nazareth. So <laughs> you mean that? Yeah. Yes. Because yes. you were young, Mississippi, mm -hmm. yes. and you went around to churches. I went around to churches. Not only, I knew every sermon of God's trombones and God stepped yes. out on space. You showed me that book. I looked around and said, I'm lonely, I'm around. Yes, I knew every sermon and the judgment day from the creation to the judgment day. So I grew up in the church, needless to say, and had a big dilemma for myself when I was trying to decide, you know, when the doors of the church open and please come and receive Christ as your savior. I remember thinking at seven, like, am I ready? No, I better wait till eight. I don't think you can give up sin at seven. I remember thinking, I, I don't know if I'm I'm turning ready. from my evil ways. <laughs> I could not do it. I was like, I don't know if I'm really, really ready to give it all up. So about eight and a half, I did. Walked down that aisle, got the baptism, the whole thing. Got the whole thing. The whole thing. And then you try, I remember you showed me this book, God's Trombones, which was old sermons that you would memorize. Yes. And then you'd go around and perform. Yes. And this was like a thing. It was like a circuit. Right? Yeah. It was like yeah. a scene. Speaking in the church, God's trombones, uh, put it on with all the, you know, church group people. I did it with the youth group. I did it with the older group when I became um, a news reporter in Nash. I've done God's trombones lots of times. God's. Stepped out okay. on space many a day for me. Because what really struck me last year when we went on tour, mm -hmm. when we went on tour together. Yes, you remember? We, yeah, when we did that. Yes. You know, that um, tour thing we did. That's the thing you did Friday night. Mm -hmm. I tell people it's like one of the best sermons I've ever heard. Because uh, it, it, this was, that was not just a good pep talk or motivational speech or empowerment. It had like a bass note that is the root of my life. Yes, that is exactly. really the fundamental root of my life. And the fundamental root of my life is that, you know, I believed from a very young age, when we're talking about belief, I believed that I was God's child. And because I was God's child, all things were possible. I believed that. Yeah. So much so that um, I believed that I was God's child. So if I'm his child, then that makes me a daughter. Jesus is his son. That's my brother, That's Jesus. your brother, of yes, course. I know, which I put that out on Facebook. And can you believe people are arguing about that? Like, Oprah, Jesus is not your brother, girl. <laughs> Somebody ought to get you straight. Oprah, you're so confused. Jesus is not your brother. And so I actually um, posted back to somebody. I was seven. Would you let me just, could we have a little you tolerance? You posted back on Facebook to someone. Yes. You, like you went on Facebook yeah, and just said. Yeah, yeah, I write back all the time. Who is you, this knucklehead? I'm going to set yeah, you straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, no, it was, I, and the person said, Oprah, you sloth. You sloth. Jesus is not your brother. Well, I was seven and I believed he was. And that kind of worked for me. And the fact yes. that I believed that. Yes. Um, 
when I got separated from my grandmother, the only person I'd lived with my whole entire life. Imagine you're six, you get sent away from your grandmother, that's the only person I'd been with. They say, now you're moving to Milwaukee and you're going yeah. to be with your mother. You're a mother. And I walk in and I instantly felt that I was not well received in the place where my mother was staying. I instantly knew that the woman who ran the boarding house my mother was living in did not want me there. And she didn't. She didn't want me there. And, but Jesus was your brother. But Jesus was my brother. God was my father. So I would pray every night. And I created these imaginary angels who were protecting me. I named them. I had them. That was my belief. But my belief, obviously, as I grew and matured, right, right. expanded to to be able to see God in all things. Yes. And it is that belief, you know, I remember when I left Nashville at age of 22 and I was speaking in the church and I had done it, This I was for Women's Day. Did you all have Women's Day in the white churches? No. No. No, we had, honey, we have Women's Day. So for Women's Day, I was a Women's Day speaker and uh, I was invited to speak and I did, this is the Mount Zion Baptist Church, Mount Zion Baptist Church, Nashville, I remember my red cutlass was packed and ready to drive to Baltimore. I was driving by myself and I was preaching and I was gonna go change clothes, get in my car and drive to Baltimore. And I, my sermon was, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Ah, that preaches. Ah, preaches, <laughs> eh? Yep. So what I find so fascinating, sitting there on tour listening to you on those Friday nights when you would do that and you came every Friday night, and I was like, Rob, it's not going to be any different. I'm not going to say anything, really. Actually, it was. Some I, I, made lots of, I made lots of notes, because I, I study this. I love this. This mm -hmm. art form, to me, is mm -hmm. the thing. Um, to be able to step out on a stage and speak to thousands of people. all the little subtle, yeah. like I just kept saying, she's like a master. See, I think for many people, they, their images of you were you interviewing somebody, pulling out of that person what they wanted to say. Right. But what I kept thinking was, wait, 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 no she has all of these things that I want to say. say. Yeah. Right, right. Because I've been listening for yes. a long yes. time. Yes, yeah, somebody, uh, somewhere recently, somebody said, what's Oprah like? And I said, Oprah, all those books that she read and people she interviewed, she actually listened and she actually read. Yeah. She absorbed yeah. an extraordinary amount of wisdom and insight and it's all in there and it comes out. Do you know the show was my therapy all those years? Yeah. It was my therapy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've learned some really amazing things from people on the show. Actually, I remember Harville Hendricks who wrote a book called Getting the Love You Want that talked about how you are drawn through the Imago Theory. You're drawn to people who represent you, the healing of both of your yeah. parents. And that literally changed my relationship with Stedman. We wouldn't be together. We talk about it all the time. We wouldn't be together had I not read that book, had I not known that, oh, a relationship's a spiritual partnership. You're here to try to heal the stuff from your past. Whoever you're with is going to bring up all of your stuff from your past. So when that stuff shows up, it's not to make you upset or angry. It's, up, it's, it's, get, it's to get you to pay attention to it and to say, how do I now heal whatever yes. that wound is? All that is an invitation to actually move forward yes. to greater wholeness and it's, unity. It's in, that's beautifully spoken by you. <laughs> I, I must say, beautifully spoken. <laughs> so when I'm watching those first two parts of belief mm. and knowing that you're you were the engine behind that I assume obviously lots of others there was but something... I am the engine let me tell you why yes. I'm the engine and I'm not listen obviously I was not trekking in the 
in the middle of right, India. Or the Coombe. I was, yeah, I was in the Coombe. I was in all those places. And, you know, so isn't it spectacular photography? Isn't it lush well, I, and enchanting and rich and full? There, For people listening, there is this uh, Hindu festival in India in which 70 million people gather. Yes. And at one of the high holy days of the festival, 30 million people get in the Ganges because she is the mother goddess and you wash yourself. And, yes. And the footage of 30 million people in the river is... Yes. Well, you know, the, it, it's the, just it's, it's overwhelming. It's staggering. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because um, we actually considered talking about, there were meetings about getting me to the Ganges. How could we get there? This was in the middle of when we were first building it. Because this is three and a half years ago. So this is 2012 that that was actually filmed in the middle of the Ganges. Because that's, that's when they come every, whatever, 12 years. And... Um, we were talking about how, how could I get there? How could I do that and also do the interview with Gloria Estefan? How could I do that and also do the interview with Stephen Tyler? How could you do that and also do the other? Oh, I have to be back here. I have to be. So I opted not that to That isn't do something that you fit in, in the middle of the- <laughs> A normal day. A normal day. But when I saw it on camera, when I actually yeah. saw what they did, I said, thank you, dear Lord. Because that would have been the kind of thing that actually overwhelms me. See, I'm. This is a little, little known fact about me, I think, is that I love being alone with my thoughts. I'm happiest yeah. with myself. I'm never lonely. I'm always just very content. I think it's because of the way you grow up. I grew up as, you know, an only child with my grandmother. Yeah. So to be in the middle of the Ganges in that water in the river with 30 million people like camping out, that would have that would have been like I, I could, my senses probably wouldn't have been able to it's, handle it. It's uh, claustrophobic and sensory overload just watching it. Yeah, it's like a I lot. did in a theater. It's a lot. It's a lot. But I, I I have such acceptance and respect for um, the reason why I juxtapose the story of the young Cha Cha getting yeah. baptized and uh, Rishma going to. Um, to the Kumba is because um, I remember being in my church on the little dirt road with the little white church in the pews and coming in on Sunday with all the sisters in the front dressed in white. I don't know if you have this in the white church. Guess not, right? Dressed up? Sure. No, dressed in the white. But not dressed in white. No, no, dressed in white. Oh, these are the mothers of the church. The mothers of the church are dressed. Oh. These are the elderly yeah, mothers yeah, of the yeah. church. And they are in the front row. I'm not kidding. And they're sitting there. They have their own like section. And they are sitting and they're rocking. And you come in and they're rocking. And they're singing, take me to the water. Take me to the water. Take me to the water to be baptized. Oh, none but the righteous. None but the righteous. And they're rocking and singing and praying and singing, take me to the water to be baptized. So I want to be baptized just so they can sing that song. Yes. But the idea of going to the water mm -hmm. and the... Mm -hmm the baptismal ritual and all that that meant to me as a little girl. Yeah. And then being able to see it through the eyes of Cha-Cha, who felt that she'd lost God, yeah. uh, as you'll see in the very, very first episode, juxtaposed against the Ganges. They're not singing, take me to the water, but there they all are, with the water being symbolic of, of, of the same thing. So I, I just love that. I love those connections. Yes, and that's what kept striking me is the the stories 
that we were moving from story to story to story yeah. in, in the, what I saw. I, I am always like, okay, what is the person who made this saying? And the beautiful thing you were doing, look at all these human beings. Look at all these human beings. Look at this thing that we all are after. Look at all of the ways it gets pursued. Yeah, and look at this, yeah, this thing that we're it, all after, this yearning that we all yeah. have. We're all yearning for uh, a way to define that feeling and that experience. The other thing that I love when you watch the series, also first episode, is that little Mendel and you know, we cast, we literally cast him because there are lots of young boys having bar mitzvahs all over the world. Yeah, this was I a... saw about seven or eight of them. Uh, and it was his innocence, his, his because he is so small and his little and he round He looks mood, right at the camera. He looks right at the camera and his, his earnestness about yes. it. Yeah, his yeah. sincerity about it. Um, I thought, yeah, I really like him. And we juxtaposed that story with the Aboriginal grandfather, Aboriginal grandfather, yeah who is trying to do for his grandson the same thing as the rabbi father is doing for his son. And you see that although the language is different, the color of their skins is different, they're in different parts of the world, their lives in no way look like they connect, but they connect through the love that binds them to Yes, um, and how do I pass this thing on? on. How do I pass so this on? So that when I'm gone, it's still yeah, there's the a line that still to this day makes me cry every time I hear the Aboriginal grandfather say uh, about his grandson Lucas. Lucas has to know the stories because if he doesn't know the stories, he won't know who he is. Yes, I know. Yeah, and so, I think it's about so that. universal. Yes, and so I think true about that for everybody. For everybody, yes. So okay, true. you uh, had this. You said that my Angelou said to you, "You, you're in show business." Yeah. But someday, someday, you'll be about your father's business. That's what she said to me. Ah, oh, that just is, uh-huh. And that's what this is. This series um, is really about being about my father's business. She said, baby, I was complaining about some tabloid story that somebody had written about me. And she was, and I, I, I would like call her crying because they said and it's not true. And she would always say, number one, you're not in it. You weren't in it when they sat down at the typewriter, that's how long this has been going on. She said, when he sat down at the typewriter to write the story, you weren't in it. He wasn't thinking about you. He was thinking about what's gonna make the story. So it really mm -hmm. doesn't have anything to do with you. And baby, those people cannot hold a candle to the light God already has shining on your face. Focus on the light. Focus on the light. Can't you see the light? Um, so it's true. Oh, that's true. It's so good. So now I'm focusing, focusing on the light. And the, and the line that you just, just shared reminded me of, I hadn't thought of that in a long time. She said, right now you're in show business, but one day you'll be about your father's business. And I'm not talking about Vernon, because that's why you're here, to be more fully about your father's business. So I see belief as being a defining moment in being about my father's business. Actually. All of my work has been about getting people to see through the stories that are told and people tell about themselves, getting people to have that to be held up as a mirror in people's lives. And I, you know, I just think this belief is a great big offering. I see it as an offering, yeah. you know, for years, I just ran across the other day, you'll appreciate this, because I'm cleaning out my offices, and I ran across a, 
um, a check that I wrote in 1977 to the Bethel Amy Church. I was tithing, and it says at the bottom, tithe, $28. $28, because I was making 282. I was gonna say, 10%. I was making, I was making 282, and I tithed 20. And then I have another check for when I got my raise, and I was making 320, it was $32. So I was tithing because I thought that was how you did it, that you, you okay, the Bible says tithe, so I'm gonna do the 10%. And then as I matured, I thought, what can I do that's, that, that is a true offering? How do yeah. I use my life in service as an offering? Yeah. Not just how do I write a check, but how can everything that I do in the world, uh, and that clicked for me with the show about 1987 or eight. This is just a show. How can I use this platform yeah. as an offering to the world? How can I use this um, and not be used by it? So I feel that so profoundly with belief. You know, we're in the television business. The reason why I spent my own dollars to do it is because I did not feel that I could ask Discovery to take the risk of not getting a rating, not getting, you know, whatever you need to have to be successful in television. Because this wasn't a television move for me. Yeah. This was a move, this was an offering. This yeah. is me saying, yeah, yeah. look, I want people to watch this because when you see that that young girl who was in the Indian army and decides that she wants to be so devoted that she becomes a Jane nun and is willing to go into the square and have thousands of people watch her have each hair plucked one of, one at a time mm. from her head because of her faith. Yeah, devotion. Because of her devotion. That you, you know, all I'm thinking is I'm glad I'm not a Jane nun, but, <laughs> but you think about what you would be willing to do when you see the young couple, oh. you know, Larissa, who stay together, he's paralyzed. Right. They hadn't even said their vows. And she says, he be, being with him means as much to me as I mean to him. And the scene at the end when she's riding, riding on, on his wheelchair and she's like, his... oh, he needs me. No, no, you don't understand. I need him. I need him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on, people. <laughs> so being able to show those stories, I mean, that's that's part of the reason why I'm here. Well, it felt, um, I, I, was, I was watching those, the first two thinking, this is so big. Yeah. This is so like you do... She is doing this. This is so above and beyond. Like we're gonna do some nice television. Program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it will live. Yeah. In its space. Yeah. And have its being. My favorite mm -hmm. Bible verse: mm -hmm. "God, I move and breathe and have my being." But it will live in the space that it lives in the world, and have its place in the world in ways that I cannot imagine. It was my yeah. my goal to do it, mainly because I'd seen Planet Earth and been knocked out by planet earth yeah, yeah and i yeah. wanted to create my own version of planet spirit and that's what this is so good planet spirit okay one more thing okay one more hanging out with you yeah doing tequila shots etc <laughs> and listening and watching you like on tour and on with this you're figuring it out and for so many people, well, obviously you get to a point where you've sort of like figured it all out and then it's mm. all smooth, but you're Oprah and you're figuring it out. Yeah, I'm always, I'm still, I'm still open to the great mystery Yeah. that reveals itself in big and little ways all the time, Yeah. you know? 
in the faces of your children, you see it. In the faces of my dogs, I see it. In the wonder yeah. of every day. I'm still um, working at being attuned to that. Yeah. How can I be fully present? And sometimes it just, it, it just, <laughs> it not, it not, it, it just, blow, I just, sometimes I just stand, I just go, wow. Yeah. Wow. And then the actual working out in every day, where you go, how you spend your energy, mm -hmm. how we, that everybody is asking at some level, not just the big transcendent, what is this, but then where do I go? How do I spend my energies? How do I spend my money? What do I give my stuff to? What do I say no to? Yeah. And how can I be happy? Yeah. I think that's a big question. I mean, I want to be happy. I want to be happy is, a, is, the, is, is the answer that everybody always gave. Somebody said, what do you really want? I would ask at the end of the shows sometimes. I spent a lot of time talking to the audience after the show, my, one of my favorite moments. And everybody would always say, I want to be happy, but they couldn't define what that, what that would look like. No. Yeah. Because they, you know, I started to hear from a lot of the women in the audience too, because they'd done all this, they, they had the house now, and I got the kids, and I, I did the job, and now, and I, and I got the car that I thought I wanted, and I thought, I thought that would make me happy, and now I got all this stuff and things, yeah. and I thought, that would make me happy, and my kids, okay, so they're, they're doing okay, and I thought that would make me happy. What is, the, what, what is the something more? Well, as you and I both know, that it is a, it is a spiritual grounding, groundedness in what you said when we were on tour together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I yes. am, I am, I, I'm not going to live a spiritual life because I am I have a, a spiritual spirit. life. I am a spiritual life. So well said. Can we wrap it up? 30 seconds. Please finish. You're out walking your dog. Yeah. There's some guy. It's the funniest, oh, yeah. story, funniest story I've ever heard you tell. There's some guy who's oh, like watching goodness. you or something. No, the story is <laughs> on the weekends, I, I, don't, I, don't have my, I don't have my lipstick on and my Oprah face. Uh, so <laughs> I had my hair like corn road braided. I'm walking down the street with my dogs. This is right. How long ago is this? One, two, three, four, five, six years Pretty ago. Pretty recent, okay. Not, 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 not long ago. So I'm walking down the street and uh, I've, got, um, I've got my dogs, three dogs walking down the street. And the guy goes, hey baby, how you doing? Hey baby, how he's you doing? He's just standing by the side no, of the road? No, he's sitting, he's sitting on this like little like. Um, There's a guy sitting by the side of the road. Yes. And you're like walking along with your dogs. Well, it's okay. right where I lived on the street, right up on the, by the park by Northwestern University in Chicago. So there's this, this little park there and there's this bench and the guy's like, hey baby, how you doing? And so I ignore him and he said, oh, can't talk to nobody, huh? Can't talk to nobody. You too good to talk to somebody? How you doing? What's your name? And I, in a moment, just thought I'm gonna tell him. So I turn around and I say, Oprah Winfrey. And he says, you wish. <laughs> we have to end there. It's just so good. You wish. You wish. You wish. Yes, I do. Every day. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so much for coming on the Robcast. My first Robcast. <laughs> Thank you. You wish.